Let me ask you, are you someone with hair? Well, if you answered yes to that question, do I have the product for you? Visit ModernMammals.com and use code MAYO for 10% off because the goal with Modern Mammals is to try and keep your hair and head natural. Since I've been using it, that's exactly what I've experienced. I very much prefer it. I don't know if I'm ever going to switch back. Probably not, to tell you the truth. And this means that it doesn't distort your pH balance and natural oils like shampoo would. Unlike shampoo, the products don't have a harsh detergent that suds up and dries out your head and hair. It's just lighter than traditional shampoo. And unlike conditioners, it doesn't leave hair limp and frizzy. Like, you don't want that Seinfeld in the shower like Rory McIlroy had it once too, where it's just like a, a mop on your head. You don't want that. And if you use modern mammals, that's not going to happen. It's designed to make your hair feel thicker. And my hair at the moment feels so thick, you can't even pull it out. Plus, the products are easy to rinse out, so there's no leftover residue to weigh hair down. So, Go to ModernMammals.com and use code MAYO for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code MAYO. Don't forget to use my promo code MAYO so they know I sent you. More details in the description. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience. We're done with running backs. We went through player by player with Chris Meany and Joe Pizzapia. You can check out all of those shows if you miss them in the description of this show. Today, we are starting part one of the wide receiver player profiles. Are we going to do every single wide receiver over the course of this series? No, of course not. There's like 700 wide receivers. Probably some guys that you'd... We'll try to mix in some of the lower-end names with the higher-end names uh, if they play on the same team or something like that. But we're going to be hammering home number one from ADP all the way down to maybe like 45 or 50 or something like that. And then eventually we'll get to the rankings. And there's a lot of football to be played, and there's a lot of time between now and then. So we got some time to fill here. If you out there want to help out the show, please smash the like button to the episode. And in the comment section, you tell me which of the top 10 wide receivers you think is most likely to be a bust in 2020 fantasy football. Also, subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. Leave it a five-star review and say something you enjoy about the show. That would be quite helpful in spreading the word of the show around. Joining me in studio, Chris Meany. What's up? What's happening? Yeah, you know. They, they lift the guidelines, and you can come back in. I can come back in. Uh, hands are sanitized. and uh, We're no, six feet away. We're six feet away, and we're talking football. Yeah, so it's, it's a life good. is good. Life is getting – I would say life is good. <laughs> life is getting slightly <laughs> better. Yeah, I mean, it's been a, it's been a rough few months, uh, to say the least. But, yeah, yeah it's getting uh, better. Joining us on the line to help us break this all down, one of the industry's most accurate rankers and Ooh. regular guest of the show from TheAthletic.com, Jake Seeley. What's up, dude? 
<laughs> not too much. <laughs> I like Chris's initial answer. Just the well, uh, like yeah. I, I feel your pain. I missed you, Chris, already. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I heard you on the show yesterday. It was. Uh, I liked your intro better than the actual intro of of the show that you uh, <laughs> that you produced uh, I, yesterday. I poured out a I poured out a maple syrup for you. <laughs> I respect that. Uh, so I just want to let everyone know because this is going to be dropping either tomorrow or a week from tomorrow. I haven't quite decided yet before we're filming this. Um, there's a lot of different sports going on right now, uh, generally individual sports, NASCAR, golf, uh, MMA. I got a ton of golf content, and I got a ton of UFC content up on the Pat Mayo Experience feed. So if you want to bet or if you want to play some DraftKings on that, I suggest you check out those shows. We're rolling right now. Yeah. And for golf, fantasynational.com slash mayo. Uh, get yourself a discount over there if you're serious about like entering the million. There's millionaire makers like every single week. It's yes. great. Yeah, the the millionaire maker on DK this week was was wild. And I mean, it filled up in a hurry. And there's one for uh, next week too. Yeah, awesome. So, so golf's yeah. back. Wearing the golf shirt. Watched a little bit earlier. Uh, I'm I'm fired up. It, it's like normalcy it's is coming slightly back. returning. Yes. It's so coming back. One thing that we do enjoy to do is talk about fantasy football on the show. Let's do that. Jake Michael Thomas is the number one receiver per ADP right now. Uh, around average draft position five. That separates him kind of from the pack. Uh, the way that he's being drafted right now, he's kind of on a tier of his own. Uh, separated from Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins and Tyreek Hill. Those guys are all going in basically the second round. But I don't necessarily see a huge difference between Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams I just don't in terms of fantasy upside I actually do so I'm going to stick with what we saw last year for the point difference that we saw forget the season long let's just talk points per game over three per game he was Chris Godwin was second and that's the big thing about Michael Thomas I understand Adams still has that basically wide receiver situation to himself because the Packers keep screwing around with Aaron Rodgers and ignoring wide receiver. But we saw Alan Lazard pop up. Uh, you know, they have hopes for Jay Sternberger at tight end. There's other options. I just, the fact that Drew Brees is back with Michael Thomas, I, I don't know that he necessarily hundred percent replicates last year, but I do think he's on a tier by himself. I, I think he's the only one, you know how much I love taking running backs in the first round. He's the only wide receiver I would consider taking before seven or eight. And then I'm actually with you. We had this discussion before Adams would be number two for me. Uh, but even if it's Adams, Julio, whoever you want to put there, I just think Thomas is by himself. So Michael Thomas in 18 career games has over 10 catches. He only has 11 games with under five catches. So the consistency is there almost every single week, but Emmanuel Sanders is now a part of this mix. Not to say that, like, Michael Thomas is going to get drafted. But there wasn't a true two there last year. That's the whole thing. Like, are we projecting that he just replicates what he did last year? Because if that's the case, then, yeah. yeah. Like, it's him, and it's him basically alone. Uh, but maybe, you know, some of the touchdowns get scaled back a little bit. I don't know. Like, if I'm sitting there at full— Well, to jump in real quick is, like, to your point, I only have him for 121 receptions this year. But that's still, for to give you an idea from my projections— that puts him 30 points in front of Devontae Adams' second place behind him. So over the season, it's not quite the three-point gap from last year, but it's still a huge gap. And I have him losing around 20 receptions. What do you have projected touchdowns for Michael Thomas? I'm curious. 10. He's the only person I have in the double digits. T touchdowns are touchdowns are inherently low 
can probably see somebody get 11, 12, maybe 13. But you have to remember because it's somebody gets left off somewhere, funneled over injuries. Well, like it's kind of hard to like, you know, how many quarterbacks are you really project for 40 plus touchdowns? So he's the only one with 10. Uh, Devonta Adams, for your point, is 9.5. He's not far behind. Yeah, I think I would make like a I, if you had to ask me, like if it was like a straight up wager of who would score more touchdowns this year, Thomas or Adams, I'd probably take Adams. I might take Adams too, yeah, just because he is the clear number one option in the red zone. I mean, they got a ton of running backs there, but he is. And he's, and even over the years, we've seen Aaron Rodgers, when he's healthy, among the top leaders in you know, red zone passing attempts, and, and Adams is always right there too. I am with Jake in the fact that I have Thomas one, but I think it's a lot closer than you know he talks about. So you're with me on yeah, this one. Like, I, I suppose there's – I but there's no question I would rather have Thomas and he would be the one that I would take the shot on in the first round. Oh, absolutely. So let's talk about Devontae Adams then and put him into this mix. He is ADP number two at wide receiver, but he's going around pick 13. I think Devontae Adams at pick 13 at the turn, let's say in a 12-team league, is a better pick than Michael Thomas at number five. I agree. Yeah, I mean, Mm. Thomas is... If he's going to go, like, according to the ADP here, if he's going to go in the fifth, for fifth overall, like, I'm just not going to have any shares. Like, I'm probably more likely to draft the back, and if if I'm near the end of the first, then I'm going to get Adams and I'm going to probably pair him up with the back. But I mean, if you're just splitting between the two, Thomas, like you said, it's just been so consistent. He's been healthy. And when Drew Brees left last year, he was still a dominant wide receiver with Teddy Bridgewater. We know if Jameis comes in, he can be good enough to, he, I mean, had two wide receivers on his team <laughs> last year that were top 10. So, but with Adams, it's just, there's just nothing there besides him. Like we're getting excited about Lazard because he showed up a couple times. Like MBS didn't do anything. There's just nothing there. So I think in terms of targets, I wouldn't be shocked if Adams had more targets than Thomas. Yeah, he had a 31% target share once he returned from injury over the past seven games uh, last season. So that was weeks 10 to 17. Like I, I think, Jake, when you look at it, like we talk about like full season stuff. And I know that Michael Thomas had the Teddy Bridgewater thing, although he basically just He's locked fine. into Michael Thomas. Yeah. And just threw it to him every single time on uh, these like intermediate routes which Teddy Bridgewater kind of excels at uh, Ted Ginn didn't do so hot uh, with Teddy Bridgewater last no. year but with Adams like, I think you can kind of parse his season into pre-injury injury and then after injury after injury the points per game was almost about even yeah, see, and I understand that, but I'm also looking at Devontae Adams go back to 2018, which only one game, he played 15 out of 16 games that year. And he was on the same pace last year if you break it down game by game. And that's where I go where I'm still going to go with Michael Thomas because I'm looking at it right now. That was 169 targets two years ago, and he only caught 111, partly because of Adams, partly because of Rodgers' play at this point. Mm. And I'm not saying it can't be better. But Devontae Adams has pretty much settled into that 160, 170 targets over a full season equals somewhere between 115, 120 in reception. So I feel like his ceiling is basically Michael Thomas's floor for me, my opinion this year, his floor, because I'm kind of projecting Michael Thomas at a floor at 121 when last year was 140. So like I know I just threw out a whole bunch of numbers, but basically what I'm saying is like I understand the argument for Adams and that there's very little there. Emmanuel Sanders, I don't think he's the Emmanuel Sanders he used to be anymore. I don't think going to New Orleans Saints is all of a sudden going to make him look like he did three years ago. He's better competition than Ted Ginn was, but Drew Brees has always spread the ball around across everybody. It's not like Drew Brees' attempts went down or were more spread out. So I think Michael Thomas is fine. I think I don't think Emmanuel Sanders is going to hurt his target share as much as some people might think. Well, I, I just think that you have to bake in a little bit of natural regression when one guy breaks the reception record in a year. And you've done that. But yeah. to say like 121 is a floor, I mean, thinking about Michael Thomas, that, that actually does make a lot of logical sense to me. Uh, but to 
just and that's twenty fewer receptions than he had last year. But you know, maybe some teams be like, you know what? Maybe we try to take away yeah. Michael Thomas. Maybe, maybe just a little him. bit. Yeah, good luck. At, 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 at good luck yeah, is probably true. right. Yeah. So this isn't an argument about whether who's like who should be one in the rankings. Michael Thomas is number one in the rankings. Yeah. I guess my question I pose to you, Jake, is. Would you rather have the fifth pick and get Michael Thomas and then whoever's available at the next pick or have the swing pick and get Devontae Adams and one of those running backs? I'd rather, for your point about that, about the value, have a swing pick because at five, as much as I love Michael Thomas and he's the only one I would consider taking, I'm still going to go running back. So for me personally, because I want to get the bell cow because they're so hard to find them and wide receivers, as we'll find out when we do this show, the rest of the show, how ridiculously deep it is this year. And we, I know that's cliche and you say it every single year, but it's never been more true. I mean, just the way I know we're not doing this now, but like for sure, Perriman's at 55. Alan Zars at 54 for me. That, they, those are in the fifties with guys who can finish as wide receiver threes. That point being is I'd rather not overdraft a running back at five. Cause I feel like I'd be pulling somebody up and then be able to do what you're saying and get the swing pick and take Adams and Joe Mixon or something like that instead of forcing myself to take Joe Mixon at five or six. DeAndre Hopkins is the third wide receiver off the board. Uh, When I said at the beginning of the show to smash the like button and leave your potential bust, I think Hopkins is the guy. And it's nothing – he might be the most skilled of all these guys. And there is a scenario where he's just so good in this Arizona offense that he's the wide receiver one by far. I think that's on the lower end of outcomes. And the more likely scenario is that offense is not going to be funneled through him necessarily. He's going to be like, just take away 30% of his catches, 30% of his targets. Then he has to be so much more efficient, which is plausible in that offense. But there's just so many more options in the way that Kingsbury likes to utilize everyone in the offense that just, it doesn't seem like anyone's going to go out there and average 13 targets a game. No, I agree. And you go look at Hopkins over the years, and yeah, there's no debating the skill set. But you go look at just a couple of years ago when he had 170 targets. That's just not going to happen in Arizona. Like, I don't think in year one. Maybe next year, year two, a, a second year with Kyler and, and Kingsbury, and, and perhaps. But I just, I just feel like he's... Out of all these guys, and we'll get to a guy later on that's on the list that I think could be outside the top 10, but you're right. Out of all these guys that are going in the top five, I think Hopkins for sure is the one where we just don't know. He has the most risk, I think, attached to him based on situation of the top five guys that we'll get to. He's going around pick 14. Jake, do you see it the same way that we do? Or is it like, hey, Arizona went out and traded for DeAndre Hopkins despite (laughs) the fact that all they had to do was give up David Johnson for him (laughs) in a second? It's a gift. But... Does that mean that they pepper him and try to get him back up to his normal target base? Or is he just going to lose some of that opportunity? I think he loses a little bit. And that's why my initial reaction when you said that was kind of just because he does probably have the biggest risk. Although I think at the same time, he might have the highest ceiling right alongside Michael Thomas. The problem is, as you mentioned, and as Chris was pointing out, the past two years, he's averaged just about 10 targets per game over the past two seasons with Deshaun Watson. And I, I, I think Kyler Murray's a terrific passer. And as we've been seeing so far early in one year in his career, that the NFL is way too overreactionary for what his height might do to his career. Great deep ball. I don't think there's going to be the fall off from that aspect. Like, I don't think going from Watson to Murray is going to hurt uh, DeAndre Hopkins. What I think is, to your point, is he going to see 10 per game? I don't see in this off- offense with Christian Kirk's, fi- you know, finally playing well last year, although he missed some time as well again. But Larry Fitzgerald still hanging around the backfield. 
there's just all as you said a lot of weapons we like to see four wide from cliff kingsbury i just don't know he averages 10 per game and even nine per game sounds like oh it's only one less per game but you get eight and a half and now you're just talking over the full season of somebody like you might only finish with 130 and only 130 targets you know it's not terrible but he's not going to be one two or three in wide receivers yeah that's the case yeah. it's not that deandre hopkins is going to be unownable right it's just instead it's of being fine. wide receiver three he might be like wide receiver 11 or something like that and then he's just not worth the pick yeah we, i mean we're not having this conversation if he's with houston we're just like okay he's two three you can make the case if you want to take him over michael thomas like we've we've seen a good track record of him in houston it's it's a new offense it's a new feel it's a new quarterback i agree with jake like kyler's going to be fine but he still has a lot to learn as well. I mean, took 48 sacks. Half of them were on him. I mean, a lot of people want to just point to the offensive line, but there's there's still some growing pains with him. Like Deshaun Watson is, it's an upgrade. Uh, well, it's a down, a slight downgrade, I'll say. Like he potentially, I I think I mean, if, it if will Kyler, be. if Kyler, a lot of quarterbacks who take a leap year one to year two, sure. Kyler seems primed to be that guy. Yeah. And there's a lot of people banking fantasy football hopes on that he's that guy this a year. A lot <laughs> of people. Yeah. I mean, Kyler is. We're not talking quarterbacks, but Kyler is. If you want him, you're going to have to. Take him in the yeah he's, he's one of the helium players yeah which yeah. I completely makes sense I mean we saw that with his MVP odds right away I think yep. he opened at like seventy five or eighty to one and people hammered that he's like fifteen to one to win MVP he is. for reference this happened last year too to a player and that player was Mitch Trubisky <laughs> yikes I think the Kyler is not in the Mitch Trubisky bucket but just be wary <laughs> once everyone is in on a certain guy like like Jake said like there's a route to Hopkins taking over here and having as much upside as Michael Thomas. It just seems sure. like there's considerably more downside attached to him too. And that's why I think that Adams deserves to be in the tier of Michael Thomas. Like if you were to tier these guys, maybe you could say Thomas is in a tier by himself, but then I would just have Adams in a tier by himself if he wasn't in that tier. And yeah. then there's the rest of these guys. At least that's the way that I whoa, would see we're, why are we tossing away Julio Jones? We're not. I, we're not because we're not at him here. We're going player by player. No, but you said the tier by himself. Yeah. So I figured that's why so Julio's I, not in. Him in. Like, Julio's not in Adams tier. Give your head a shake, Jake. Come on now. <laughs> No, he's saying Thomas has a tier, Adams has a tier, and then we get into the rest of the tier. With no, see, that's where I'm saying, like, no way. I actually have Julio less than a point behind Devontae Adams for the season. Why are we hating on Julio? Sounds like you need to readjust your rankings, pal. But we need to. Why are we hating on Julio? Because we're not even at him yet. We're at Tyreek Hill, who is the fourth wide receiver coming off the board. Pick number 17. (laughs) <laughs> is this too, too yeah. rich for you i don't know if it's like, it's not it, yeah. it's a very acceptable adp it's yeah. where he should go but i don't know if i <laughs> i don't know if i'm the person who wants to put like he is the type of guy that you would want right mm-hmm. so i think i would actually feel better taking kelsey in this spot or like a few picks before rather than taking hill just because i think as jake pointed out there's a lot of depth at it's just that wide receiver. But when he hits, he wins you the week. That's the thing. I no, mean, uh, yeah, but <laughs> to your point, Chris, here, I'll give you, I'll bring up the guy I hate. He's slightly richer, better, because he's not the poor man version. He's slightly better. He's a slightly better version of Amari Cooper for fantasy purposes. Yeah. Yeah. No, he is. I mean, there's. Amari Cooper wins your weeks, and nobody, I, well, at least on this show, nobody wants Amari Cooper. Why do we want a Tyreek Hill for any different reason? He's slightly more consistent, but to your point, Chris, there, look, go look at the game log. Look at how many single digit six point, five point, seven point games he has. It's not Amari Cooper bad, but it's not that far away where I'd like I would take Julio a thousand times before I took him. Well, uh, since 2018, Tyreek Hill leads the league in 40 or more yard catches. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done it in 13 games despite missing 
four games yeah. over that stretch. Well, last like, year was when he hits, he hits so big. Of course, yeah, yeah, he, he and, does. And DraftKings, I, and I would, yeah, every and, week. That's usually the thing. Like you should <laughs> always build a chief stack with Kelsey Hill 100%. and, and Kel- Mahomes. And, like yeah, just do that always. every single week. Maybe that's the way that you want to do it. He is sort of like the absolute richest version of like vintage Deshaun Jackson there is. Yeah. And when I take my wide receivers early, I I want a little bit of safety there. I want a guy that I know is going to get eight, nine targets a game. It's not. It it could depend on this type of format you're playing to. Like we're talking about like general 12 team regular fantasy football leagues. If you were playing in one of these like high stakes leagues where you don't not only like need to win your league, but you're also competing against all of the other leagues. This is the type of guy you want. Yeah, you're shooting for the upside. Yeah, you're you're hoping like, oh, this is the season he's just consistent across the board with these big games, and he's the number one wide receiver by far. Yeah. That's just not likely to happen. But in that sort of, like, something like the Scott Fishbowl, right. like, you want to take the highest upside players possible because you're going to need them all to hit if you want to beat 3,000 other people. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, you can even go, Jake, I mean, you know this, you go back to even before last year because last year he suffered the injury and he was in and out of the lineup and you had to deal with that. But even 2018, he had those inconsistent games. There was some talk that he couldn't play at home and he could like the ro- home road splits were just eye popping. Was that actually a thing? And it's just, this guy only needs two catches, three catches to single handedly win you a week. Cause you, right. you just rattled off the stats. I mean, 40 yard touchdowns are almost a given, Like it's, he's going to have at least five, every, <laughs> yeah, five to seven. I was going to say like half of his games will probably include one of those big bombs. And he has other ways. And, he has other ways to get involved too. Like they, yeah, they'll throw him like rushing. weird reverses around like the goal line. And, Every once in a while, he's going to return a punt for a touchdown if they well, decide the game with three touchdowns all different ways. Right? Yeah, and like he, he has different ways to get involved because you want to use him as much as possible. I'm with Jake, though. I like no, Julio I, more. I think there's more safety. Yeah, and that's the thing. Is this, it, this kind of goes back to your DeAndre Hopkins thing, Pat. Is like it's, I'm not hating on Tyreek Hill by any stretch of the imagination. It's just I have it number four. It's just my biggest thing uh, since we got through what you were already talking about. DeAndre Hopkins is like my big thing is Julio Jones. I just I I, I want to know why everybody hates on him. I just I want that answer. We need to answer that question. I think now. people just assume that he's starting. He's, no, he's starting to suffer from the Marvin Harrison corollary, where everyone <laughs> at this point now has yeah. owned Julio Jones. Yeah, and all done with him. But no, because people have a very weird memory when it comes to fantasy players. So when you own Julio Jones, very rarely do you remember the. 14 catch 300 yard game you remember the game where it's like <laughs> he's on the side he's hobbling to the sidelines again I, why how didn't he score that touchdown like he's that guy You're he's exactly led the, right he's, he hasn't he has, done that the past two I, years I, I understand that but you have to remember what sticks out in people's mind too like he's led the league in air yards each of the past two years he is a fantastic receiver yeah. i would also rather have him over tyreek hill as well he's going at pick number 19 i think that's better value than tyreek hill he's going to be more consistent than tyreek hill is he might not have the overall upside but i think that's what people hammer down on yes the touchdowns come but if you wanted to separate someone like adams and julio jake i think the difference for me is if you told me that one of these guys scores 16 touchdowns this year it's gonna be Devonte adams mm, I, I could definitely see that argument for it but i don't think that julio jones should be that was what that one year where he only scored three and like to your point everybody just keeps remembering that i don't know what did he have the past two seasons i want to say like eight six seven yeah, eight and six. It was that one. He's actually had six every single season except for that one in 2017 where we're just like, what the hell happened? So I think that your your point's right. Is like people are focusing on the, I owned him when he was hobbled. I owned him when he only scored three touchdowns. I owned him. And instead of Julio Jones has been one of the most dominant, consistent wide receivers and should be. That's why I was bringing it up when you said Adams. For me, it would go Thomas, 
Adams and Julio in their own tier, and then let's talk about the rest. Well, he and Hopkins, Julio Jones, uh, are the only receivers in the league to score at least five touchdowns in five of the past six years. Yeah. So consistency. And you guys are both dead on. Like, Pat, you are, you're absolutely right when people talk. When you bring up Julio in circles, it's like, I don't want to deal with him. I mean, he hasn't been healthy. Yeah, he's the a past headache. Despite the he fact has you look been at, healthy the last You look at the years. numbers, and he's always, like, top three. Yeah, he just always so he sucks, finds though. a way to finish. Yeah, you're going to go through some growing pains where maybe he's going to be questionable for, you know, four weeks in a row, and maybe he's on the sidelines in the red zone. That, those things happen. They've happened. They you, happen you to everybody. Used to it. Yeah, exactly. But he is just, at the end of the day, you look and, and where you see the rankings, and he's just always right there consistent playing on still what i think is a bad football team defensively and who knows what they're going to get out of todd Gurley? i mean he may have more success just catching balls out of the backfield than actually running between tackles this good year. so it's yeah it's going to mean more we, we have him on our legal league team ryan is always near the top in passing attempts always for years and now there's no hooper they brought in hayden hurst but jake everyone's talking about like a ridley breakout this year and I just see him kind of doing the same thing, maybe a bit better than he was last year. And he too was hobbled up. Mm -hmm. But I don't see a situation where the roles get – I mean, I do – it's funny. When you're talking like absolutes like that. Yeah. Like when I say I don't see it, like it's a low probability outcome that all of a sudden Ridley is Julio and Julio is Ridley. Just the number one. I would not not stake anything on that. It could happen. It's probably like 80 to 1 to happen kind of thing. So don't bet it. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Calvin Ridley is still the number two. Uh, Russell Gage is going to get involved probably as the three, two. This is, remember, Dan Quinn's now taking over and letting Cotter probably, arguably, probably even have more control of the offense. And Cotter, good things with Matt Ryan. So I, I don't think Calvin Ridley's stepping past Julio Jones. I think the only reason is everything you talked about is perception, Pat. Otherwise, I mean, that's like, that's like saying Ridley, should, if he was on the Saints, would step past Michael Thomas. Like, stop. Next two guys, and these are this is the team I can't figure out. These are the players I can't figure out. I, it's a double pass for me at this value. Chris Godwin <laughs> is the sixth receiver coming off the board at pick 20. Mike Evans is the seventh receiver yeah. coming off the board at pick number 28. You add in Gronk. They draft some more running backs. Yeah. Tom Brady is the quarterback. Like, are we really thinking Tom Brady's <laughs> going to throw for like 5,000 yards here? Like, I know that he doesn't, but then all of a sudden they still have Howard. They still have Brate. Like, do we think that not only is Brady going to throw for a ton of yards, or if he doesn't, that the market share for Godwin and Evans is going to be like those Derek Carr years with Cooper mm, and Crabtree, yes. where they both have 30% of the market share? I don't know if that's <laughs> going to be the case. That was actually going to be my argument. Like, Chris knows this, and I brought it up before, is, you know, the Tom Brady situation. Everybody talks about how much he loves his slot guys and blah, 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 and all that type of stuff. Initially, Godwin, even before Tom Brady, when we were still talking, Jameis Winston might be back with this team. Chris Godwin, I think, was number three for me, and Mike Evans was like nine or ten. Uh, then we get the Tom Brady news and I moved Godwin back a little bit and then not move like my, I did my projections, moved him back. He fell back a little bit. Evan stayed around the same fringy t- wide receiver one. But this recent news and to say that they're going to be 12 as their base set base. I mean, still not going to be the majority of the time. They just are going to enjoy a lot of 12s. So a lot of 12 set means Gronk and OJ Howard or Gronk and Bray on the field. Well, that takes away the slot option that everybody's talking about. That's going to force it. It's just going to be a lot of Godwin and Evans. And that's why I actually ended up moving Evans back up a little bit. Again, it's the projections that did it, but they're at seven or eight or seven and eight for me now. Uh, 87 around 1200, 80 around 1200, eight and eight touchdowns right around there. Like those aren't the exact numbers, but they're right around the same to your point, Pat, is I think that this running the 12 actually funnels back more than they would if they were running three wide with how much Brady likes to throw and why everybody got excited about Tyler Johnson in the draft. Yeah. 
So I have more concerns about Evans than I do about Godwin. I just think that the route, like here, Evans is a ceiling guy. Like he's, it's funny. We talk about Tyreek Hill. Evans has been a bit like, he had the one year where he was uber consistent, Mm -hmm. where he was the only guy in town. But now that's just not the case anymore. So Mike Evans, there were seven instances last season where a player had 225 air yards. Uh, Evans had three of those games. Do you know who the last receiver to see over 225 air yards in a game was from Tom Brady? Oh, my goodness. Tom Brady? Randy Moss. Brandon Lloyd in 2015. (laughs) Sorry, 2012 against week 15 against San Francisco. Yeah. I mean, just the way that he made a career living off that season. What's that? (laughs) Just the way New England. I said he made a career off that one year. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh, But I mean, just the way that New England's run their offense over the past few years. I mean, obviously, we know that there, there haven't been too many weapons there and they use all their running backs and check down to those backs or to Gronk or, you know, in the slot to Edelman. But. But let's not forget how much of the value in Godwin and Evans last year was derived from, A, good run defense, bad pass defense, always playing catch-up, and Jameis just turning the ball over all the time, putting them in a hole, and then having to bomb to get out of it. Like That's actually a part of this. Godwin had 120 targets last year, didn't have a drop. That was the most... That's why I think he's just more reliable. I think that's going to go with Brady. But the big thing that I have with Evans is he's such a big body, and maybe that gets a huge utilization from Brady in the red zone. Or he just throws to Gronk like he always does. Exactly. He just throws to Gronk or throws to OJ. Like, Gronk... You remember that one year when Jerome Bettis kept having, like... Five carries for three yards and two touchdowns. I can see Gronk games where it's like that. Like, two catches, three yards, two touchdowns. Like, he's just going to be... He's not going to be... He's not going to do enough to be, like, an elite tight end for fantasy. But he's going to pilfer all these touchdowns away to make him, like, relevant. But he's going to take it away from these guys. I can see that happening. 33 catches and seven touchdowns. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, so I'll ask both of you, Chris, and you can answer first. And so, for the point I was going to bring up... You keep mentioning Tom Brady, Pat, and I actually don't think I obviously don't think he's throwing for 5,000, but I have him throwing for about 4,435 touchdowns. I think he does better in the touchdown department with this team. But to your point, and if you want to go jump in, Chris, so like right now, I just mentioned the fact they have around eight touchdowns for Godwin and uh, Evans. For Gronk, I have 5.4. Like I, I don't think he's at this point involved, to your point. If I'm wrong, and to you, what you're saying, Pat, he does have nine or ten touchdowns. Obviously, that's going to siphon from Evans and Godwin. Yeah. I, I can see a scenario where Pat is talking about where he is he's on the field, maybe not as much as we we're used to seeing him over the past couple of years, but he is definitely um, part of the red zone package, and he's a guy that's going to you know, probably steal a few touchdowns away from these guys. But And, and I think that OTAs might determine this as well. Like, we don't yeah. have an extended preseason or an offseason camp. Right. Like, if Brady's calling audibles up on the line, sure. who's going to know Gronk. everything that's going on? Gronk is, maybe. Absolutely. He yeah. might have, like, brain damage. I don't know. <laughs> He'll remember. Smoke, smoke, <laughs> doing too much CBD during the offseason. <laughs> he's taking some chair shots and wrestling. Yeah, by I, the third audible yeah. he'll, he'll clue in and he'll remember but godwin to me is you know he was scared to do that sorry what? you know he was scared to jump off that thing that vince mcmahon had to show him vince mcmahon <laughs> jumped off that thing he jumped off at wrestlemania to show him it was safe and then vince was like well was like well he's like an 80 year old man he's fine i'll be fine <laughs> yeah uh yeah just to wrap it up with these two i mean it's it kind of repetitive what you guys are saying it's godwin for me like godwin is just i just think he's a seven is too high for evans. nothing to do with evans yeah i mean evans had a game last year and it's just one game but he had a zero he did have a game where he had zero fantasy points. I mean, Godwin, I just think he's a little bit more reliable. You you mentioned the drops. He's he's been a red zone beast. He's he runs nice routes. I just I'm perfectly fine where Godwin is going. Where Evans is going, it's a it's a pass for me. 
Number yeah, eight. to your point earlier, Pat, well, I was just to say real quick, kind of your M- Michael Thomas and wait. While Evans came out at eight in my projections, I probably wouldn't take him, and I would just wait and take Galladay or Thielen, or I'm just going down my list. Robert Woods, you just I would just wait instead of taking what's going to cost to get him. Yeah, number eight is Kenny Galladay. He's going at pick number 28, so the pick after Mike Evans. Do we worry that Galladay kind of overachieved last year a little bit? No, because look who he's playing with for <laughs> some of the season. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah or <laughs> my main man, Driscoli. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, he so, was great, actually. That's, that's the thing. is, If Stafford is okay for 15 of the 16, if he basically plays the entire season, uh, yeah, Galladay, I, I think Galladay, for everybody getting excited about Calvin Ridley and everybody else out there, Galladay, a full season with Matthew Stafford is somebody I think that could push for the top five again. I think what he finished like five last year. Yeah. Uh, he is seventh among qualified wide receivers in air yards per game too over the past two seasons at over a hundred per, uh, and that's with Driscoli. And yeah. Some of these other the losers in yards per reception too. He's just throw it up to him. He's just a beast. I think, I don't yeah. even think we've seen the best of him. I think he can get a little bit better and put up some more numbers, maybe touchdown wise, but you look at him and Marvin uh, Jones and Danny Amendola. Yeah. And, and the hawk, <laughs> you know, Marvin. Ah! <laughs> I actually like the hawk. That's a nice, uh, nice little hawk. You missed that, Jake. Uh, it was a good facial expression there from Pat. But um, in terms of targets per game, even go back to the past couple of years. I mean, Marv, these these guys are right on the same pace. I mean, seven per. Uh, I think they're both solid. One you're going to get obviously a hell of a lot cheaper. But Galladay has has that high ceiling. Like when I'm looking between him and Evans, it's actually no question for me. Like Galladay is the guy like that I would rather have. Okay, well, let's say, just throw it out there. Where do you think that Galladay finishes amongst wide receivers? Just, you don't need to be right. Just your ballpark range. Top seven. Top seven? Where do you think Merv Jones finishes? Top 30. So Jones is the better pick. Yeah, of course. He is. (laughs) I mean, he leads the team in touchdowns over the last three years. He's been pretty consistent over that time with Matthew Stafford. Mm. And I was looking into Marvin Jones, just, you know, trying to find some values over the past couple of weeks. And I was looking at targets per game. They're, they're dead on in terms of targets per game. I mean, even with Galladay getting some more work down the stretch with Marvin Jones hurt last year, it's he's, he's a red zone option. The team stinks. <laughs> they're going to be playing from behind. <laughs> Patricia can run the ball all he wants with his multiple running backs, but they're going to have to to throw the football. I don't think the secondary is all that good. So I, I love Galladay, but I think Marvin Jones is, I mean, I don't even know if he's on this list. We've got 40 wideouts here. Yeah. Do, where do you have them projected out, Jake? I actually have Galladay at nine and Marvin Jones at 28. Yeah. So and that that's might not even consensus. be low for Marvin Jones. I'm not making it as an argument against Galladay by any means. I think he does oh, finish as a top 10 guy. Yeah. But I would find maybe it's maybe it's me having the problem with this, but I don't know if I'd want to own both of them. No, you don't. You don't. Like on the same you don't team. want to have to go through that frustration. I mean, but you go back to your point from before, Cooper and Crabtree in the same year with yeah. Derek Carr as their quarterback, you would have been fine. You go back to how many years were we – deploying both Packers wide receivers, whether it was Randall Cobb and uh, Jordy Nelson or James Jones, the, when they had two inside the top 15, you were, you didn't want it, but it was fine if you had it. And Matthew Stafford was a top five quarterback last year before, before he got, he got hurt. hurt. Uh, the before other, got the, hurt. Other, the other two that used to be like that, because I think you really need to hammer down on target share. If you're going to do that, like if you can get two guys above 25% on the same Fitz team, and Bolden. I think that they're going to be fine. Uh, I was going to say Sanders and Thomas used to do it as well. In Denver. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Anderson Thomas is yeah. another good one. You got to go back. Fitz and Bolden. But yeah, yeah. But we have to go back to find this. This isn't a regular occurrence that generally happens. It's hard. Of course. It, it's hard to project that. It in. is. Yeah. I mean, well. And we just. I mean, you could go back to last year and Evans and Godwin. <laughs> yeah. 
and we can you were guaranteed to always not like you always got one great game potentially too because you like if they alternated you always got at least one and, and two guys that are undervalued that we'll get to and i mean i don't think top five but cooper cup and robert woods are yeah. two guys we'll, that, we'll get to them i mean they're getting a lot of the target shares too i, I can't I mean, i'll save it for the robert woods conversation because i think there is a real conversation to have about him but mm-hmm. next up on the list the number nine wide receiver on draft boards and high stakes leagues right now amari cooper going at 33 overall so i i think i like everyone else in the world really wanted to get on michael gallup this year yeah that was going to be great mm-hmm. uh turns out uh, we probably I, I how do you see the target share breaking down in dallas now jake so that's the biggest look. I'm not going to say I know 100% because my biggest concern no, say about it. this say is, you do know. <laughs> I just assume everything you say concern, is 100% Jake. As so as of right now, Cooper leads, but it's not a big lead, and CD Lamb is not far from Michael, Michael Gallup. And my so I want to say, put this out there is that the worst case scenario for the Cowboys is actually the best case scenario for fantasy. And what I'm going to say is the worst case scenario is one of them bombs and falls to the side. And then for fantasy, we feel great about two of them. The best case scenario for them is actually worst case for us. And that all three are productive, all finish somewhere between 70 and 90 targets, maybe 100, 110 for one of them. But it's never known week to week who's it going to be. And so this is even worse for Amari Cooper now. I can't even see touching him inside. I have him at 18 to point out for you to go back to your target share question is that I just think CD Lamb's arrival has turned this kind of into the McCarthy back with the Rogers situation. But I, we just referenced that with Nelson and Cobb is like we could see a scenario where two of them are top 15 wide receivers, but that means one of them has to really fall to the wayside as like a wide receiver three or four. So the other big thing, too, with Amari Cooper last year, he set highs uh, in receiving yards, had almost twelve hundred and he had eight receiving touchdowns, which was a career high, despite having three games with under three fantasy points and six games under 10 fantasy. points. Yeah. Yeah. And they came, a lot of them came late, too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I got here, you know, he failed to hit the 10-point mark in a full PPR setting in six of his 16 games. But on an average base, his best two years have been with Dallas. I mean, he's been productive with the Cowboys. They've used him properly, still not in the red zone. He's never been a red zone guy. I mean, even in his early days with the Raiders, Seth Roberts was, I mean, Seth Roberts had one year where he had 20 red zone targets and Cooper had fewer than 10. But, I mean, he, there's this thing, too, when we talk about Julio Jones and Tyree Kill, is, is Cooper – you know, if you've owned him, he's really let you down. I mean, you're talking about how some games is at zero, five points or fewer from week 12 to 15 when you need him the most. I mean, there's, and then there's games where he has 34 points and 20 points. So he has those big blow up games. For me, it's very simple. I don't want any Dallas Cowboys. It's either Zeke or Dak. I mean, really? Yeah, I'm not. Zeke, Zeke, Zeke or Dak or none. Or none. No. Not both, Dak and Zeke, but one or the other. And that's it. I'm not going to play this game with the Cowboys. They're going to spread the ball around. There's lots of options. I mean, I'm sure you're going to you know be fine you just from did, week Chris? to week. But you bought the cake, not the icing. (laughs) Yeah. This gimme Dak. He's going to spread the ball around. He's going to have a fantastic season, fantasy season. He's got so many weapons. I mean, people are getting excited about Blake Jarwin, too. Like, I can't. I'm sure he's going to get three or four targets as well. Oh, yeah. I think he he gets destroyed. There's enough, like, random tight ends outside of like exactly. the top eight that are Blake Jarwin esque who are probably just like we just talked about TJ Hawkinson like you yeah. could have Hawkinson or Jarwin for essentially the same price right so for me Cooper is an easy fade uh I, I may have some Gallup shares if he continues to fall down the board I did a dynasty startup the other day and he went like wide receiver 45 okay. well can we throw the counter to this how does Amari Cooper outperform this draft position at number nine you add Other in, guys get hurt you I don't but let's say just no. all things being equal let's say 
defenses can't lock in on him anymore. If we made the case that like in these high stakes leagues, I, I get why he's going nine. I really do. It's almost the same argument for Tyreek Hill that if somehow this is the year he is consistent, look at the upside that he brings to the table in these like one-off games. So instead of having the three games with fewer than three fantasy points or six games less than 10, let's say he just, his floor game this year is 10 points. All of a sudden, like he's looking pretty good as long as he can still manage those three or four games where he's off the charts good. I think that to for that to happen, now we're talking about, and it's within the realm of possibilities, but to answer your question is we need to see Dak around 600 targets or attempts uh, and then you need to see Amari Cooper, a similar target share to last year. And instead of CD lamb coming in and hurting them both only siphons and takes away from Gallup. And that's where your concern is. And that's what the point is. Go back to what I was saying is like there, they wouldn't want that necessarily, but you know, for fantasy purposes, that'd be great for us for Cooper and also Zeke to lose a little bit. I mean, if Zeke's used like he was last year out of the backfield with those amount of targets, it's hard to see any wide receiver, whether it's Cooper, whether it's Gallup at any of them, get to 120, 130, 140 targets in a season. I just feel like there's games where Cooper disappears because he goes up against top coverage and he gets shut down. I mean, there's there's been multiple times where I've seen but maybe more Lattimore talent on Slay. the field now. Maybe a more dynamic offense can alleviate some of that pressure. Yeah, I was that's what I was going to say with, you know, bringing in CeeDee Lamb and you have more weapons. It's it's very possible. But there are games. I mean, go look at the game logs and you see like some of the games where he just didn't show up. I mean, he went up against top corners. I mean, Slay shot him down last year, called him out on social media about it. He lit up the Eagles twice, two games against Eagles, had almost 300 <laughs> yards like now, like, you know, who are you going up against? Right. So I just feel like there are some games where a little bit of an outlier okay so at number 10 the receiver coming off the board number 33 overall is cooper cup who we had just mentioned robert woods is the 20th receiver off boards in these leagues at pick number 51 flip them i i think that woods is probably going to have a better year than cooper cup is and I, i'm not as worried because people are really pointing to well and jake has brought up the 12 package playing the two tight end sets sure. yeah. he, i think people are overestimating how much the Rams are going to play that because they saw it down the stretch last season. I think it's going to be a part of their package, but we saw they went from playing the most three wide receiver sets to coming back off that. I think they're trying to throw different looks into their offense a little bit that if people are planning for them to play 12 packages, they're just not going to do it. Cup's going to be on the field. He has seen, <laughs> here's a fun, fun stat for Cooper Cup. He has 18 touchdowns mm-hmm. his past 27 games and saw a red zone target in 30 of 39 career games. Now that's great. And I don't expect that to really change all that much. Woods scored a touchdown on less than 2% of his targets last year. His average, the first two years with golf, almost 6%. Like he, it's going to come back up. It has to. Yeah. Well, that's all anybody was complaining about last year. Jake was with Robert Woods. Remember all the complaints we had over the years with Woods? Like, and it was just because he wasn't fine in the end zone. He was still one of the most consistent wide receivers in terms of targets. He was getting targets every single day. I'm not going to flip them, but I, I, I would take Woods over Cup. I don't know just if because I would, of the price. I, I, I don't know if I would take no. Woods at number like Jake. If they were the same price, you would take Woods over Cup. I would take Woods. I would take, I actually, I would take Woods. I, in my I rankings, Woods will be above Cup. You guys are crazy. I only have Woods for five touchdowns and Cooper Cup for eight. Uh, my biggest thing between the two of them is the target share and the consistency. I have Woods at 12 and Cup at 20. Now, mind you, I was going to say this earlier. We, we got on a different topic. I wish everybody from about Robert Woods at 12 to like 29, I could just put as like the same wide receiver because there's such a slim margin that one touchdown over the entire season is going to move somebody 15 spots. That's how 
tight this group is. I want to make that clear for everybody. So don't get hung up if you're like, no way. Like to go back to it real quick. Cooper Cup, I have for 187.7 half PPR. Robert Woods is 198. So there you go. 11 points. So if that. What I'm going to go to is I know you're talking about that pat in the 12, and it's not just the 12 for me. It's not just the 12 set. It's that the snap count was also down for him towards the end of the season over the last four or five games, not just with the emergence of Tyler Higby, but there was games where Cup was all of a sudden out there only 60% of the time. This is somebody that used to be out there 90, 95% of the time. And I'm not saying definitively that's going to carry for Sean McVay into this next season. And as you pointed out, Sean McVay might just be playing head games with everybody. Yeah, we're going to run 12, and then the first five games are three wide, and we never even see a 12 set. All that being said is the one consistent is Robert Woods. If somebody's coming off the field, it's Cup. If Cup is coming off the field to line up out wide, which I love the kid, but he's better inside than he is out, and all of a sudden Van Jefferson or Josh Reynolds is out there, and they're just kind of doing what we used to complain about the Seahawks three years ago is they're rotating that number two wide receiver kind of like a timeshare. That's my concern. That's why Cup is down where he is. Is I think that he comes off the field and Robert Woods never comes off the field. Yeah, I mean he's a good blocker, and that's one thing that Woods has always been known yeah. for. Yeah, even on the in field Buffalo, if they're gonna it. run. I mean the offensive line in LA is it's kind of spiraling. I mean if they lose Whitworth, I don't think they're gonna be able well, to run well. Here's the thing. Here's the case for both of them. The Rams might not be very good. Yeah, that they might have to throw <laughs> a lot this year potentially, especially they had with the to other throw team. A lot last year, especially with the teams in their division like being pretty good now. Even the Arizona best division in football, maybe. Potentially, yeah. well, no. we always think there's one one division that's great. Yeah, that it turns out to your not point, great. Chris. They 626 attempts for golf last year. Yeah. Now, a, now here's the counter: golf sucks. Bit. So, what are we gonna do? <laughs> he does suck. Yeah. I mean, you bring up good points, and I do remember last year Cup. Yeah. I mean, because it was almost automatic in the first what 12 weeks of the season that this guy was playing nearly 100 percent of the snaps. I mean, he was always yeah. on the field. Yeah. But, All right. Last one of part one of the wide receivers. And probably the most fun name to talk about. Yeah. Going wide receiver number 11 Jake's boy. in drafts. Pick number 35. Odell Beckham <sighs> Jr. Who has Jake blocked on Twitter I... still? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. He blocked me. But you didn't block him after? No. Oh. I never blocked him. I've been trying to get him back. I've been trying to like try to get him back. back. <laughs> I've been trying to get unblocked. What's his face that covers the Browns? Uh, Zagura is supposed to be helping me out, and he hasn't helped me out. Uh, how about this? How, how about you just don't worry about it? Like it's not that big of a deal. Uh, <laughs> because he's one of my favorite players. <laughs> here's something that is a much larger deal than Beckham blocking Jake on Twitter. He caught just 25% of his end zone targets in 2009. The NFL average, 38%. All other Browns. 35%. Has Beckham lost his supernatural athletic ability after all these injuries for consecutive years that he's still good, but he's just not going to ever be that guy. Like he's, he's tiny, but he used to be able to throw the ball up to him in the end zone and he would go get it. But maybe he just, he's lost 15% of his athletic ability just because he can't jump as high anymore. He's not quite as fast anymore that he needed to be at that peak level to do all these things. He's just not there anymore. Well, I think part of it, I think part of it is just Baker's like decline. Essentially he declined. Like I know we were looking at his rookie season, but he didn't move forward. And I would call that a decline if he didn't take a step forward and it didn't need to be what everybody expected. And then Baker Mayfield was going to be top five. And like, look, everybody got caught up in the Browns, whether it was 10%, hundred percent, no matter how much everybody got caught up in the Browns. Uh, for your point about Odell Beckham, I think a lot of it was Baker Kitchens in this offense because let's look, look, think back and just look at Odell Beckham's career and think about it like the touchdowns. Like to your point, 
the red zone touchdowns has always been like half of his game. Like we were talking about him as some of those big catches and those big touchdowns were like Tyreek Hill type touchdowns outside the 30, outside the 40. Like it's just his playmaking ability. I don't think he's lost anything if you watched him play. Like he still looks like a freak out there. I just think this offense was just miserable last year under kitchens. I wouldn't take him this high, but I don't have him that far. I'm at 15, but I think the realm of outcomes for Odell Beckham is certainly inside the top 10 and real quick to reference. I sighed because we still haven't mentioned the name. I thought you were, I have somebody at number five. We still haven't mentioned yet. Oh, I guess we'll get to them in part two. What do you I make? Think of, he's next. What do you make guy. of OBJ? Yeah, he's you're right. I mean, he's a hard guy to figure out. I watched a lot of Cleveland Brown games last year. I'll admit I was drinking the Kool-Aid probably a year too early. Freddie kitchens is clearly a loser. <laughs> Didn't know how to you know, play call. There was, there was so many so, so, things so, that they I bring noticed. in Stefanski. Like, do you just give him like basically the digs role in this offense? Like, are they just maybe, but the they ball? also bring it. I think they're going to run the ball. I, you they know, you also Hooper. bring in Austin Hooper. Now you got Kareem Hunt for, there for a full year off season. He's going to get you know five targets a game. Yeah, Landry's going to soak everything. And, in and still. that's the thing I want to oh, talk see. about is Landry. What like we're talking about disrespect with two guys. I mean, you could almost flip Landry and Beckham. Everyone would say that we're crazy because the skill set is Beckham. But Landry in two years in Cleveland has been awesome. He was better than Beckham last year. He was more consistent. Yeah. He was definitely more consistent in the red zone. He's been a beast in the red zone over the past couple of years. You go back with his time in Miami and he's somebody that you're getting in the 30s that yeah. could Land- easily finish as a wide receiver too. Jarvis Landry, wide receiver number 32 coming off the board pick number 84 <laughs> and steal. i have him at 31 how about this well here's why well, no hold on hold on how about this you mentioned okay. like the red zone stuff with landry yeah landry was better downfield than beckham was he with was baker last year landry caught 55.6 of his deep targets last season odell 40 percent yeah, he went down. He went to him a lot on third down. I found, and I went to a game in Cleveland last year, and I watched, and I found at times, and Beckham actually, he was he was down at the one is how the season went with him. He had a, it looked like he was finally going to get a touchdown, but it just seemed like Baker was trying to force the ball. Maybe they have a little bit more of a connection in year two, with different coach, different offense, but it seemed like at times, Jake, watching, he just tried to force the ball to Beckham. There was times where he had 13, 14 targets, and he catches three of them, and a half of them were just, it's right. not on Beckham. A lot of it was on Baker and, and the throws. You're right. He he definitely declined, but there's a lot going on in Cleveland on a team that I know want, they want to run the football. Yeah, and I think that's the concern, the running the football is Stefanski, whether or not he was doing that partly because of the pleasing people in Minnesota, or if that's really who he's going to be another 12 running a lot, two tight ends. As you said, they brought in Hooper. They already had in Joku, although he missed essentially most of last year, hmm. but then they drafted Harrison Bryant, which shows that like they yeah. want the tight end depth. So I, I agree with all those concerns, but where I'm going to go with this is kind of like a concern for Jarvis Landry. Like I don't, I don't, rarely well i rarely don't like i don't whatever i usually project 16 (laughs) games for everybody i know i usually project 16 games for everybody jarvis landry i only projected 14 and i think that's a fair risk to take because they're talking about potentially not ready for week one let alone the first month and obviously this will change if landry i knew was playing 16 games i'd be a little bit more with you guys and slide down odell beckham a little bit because of targets and landry back up but as of today it's because i don't have landry playing 16 games I mean, I would still rather have Beckham than have Landry. Yeah, I mean, that... I just, uh, like, again, if it's almost sort of like the same price type of deal, yeah. if you could pick one of them, I would pick OBJ. Yeah. Just be for the upside purposes alone. If I needed someone who I knew was going to, like, make sure that they would be inside, like, the top 40 of receivers this year, 
Landry's definitely that guy. Yeah. But it's very doubtful that he'll be a top five guy. Beckham it's, still has that outcome. I know. We're, we're, I right. think with Beckham, we're still like, you know, we talk about thinking Julio, back. what's in our mindset. Yeah, it's, we're it's, thinking it's back. The, it's the anti-Julio. Exactly. <laughs> you're, you're looking at those big games that he had with the Giants, all the catches, all the times where he was the number one, all the usage he got inside the red zone. There's a lot going on in do you, do you think it's the flash thing that goes along with it? Like, when you th- like Julio's not flashy whatsoever. No. He makes really difficult things look <laughs> so easy yeah. that it's you're just like, oh, okay, he did yeah, it. You know, he just drops nice catch, the ball, man. But you, you remember like, oh, here's Julio dropping this 55-yard easy touchdown <laughs> like right off of his hands. Yeah. You don't care what else he did in the game with his 10 catches. Right. But if Beckham has a huge play, it's like, whoa! It's almost like, we mentioned the name earlier, Brendan Lloyd used to be kind of the same way. Yeah. Where it'd be like, Brendan Lloyd is horrible, but you're like, huh, he just made the eight hardest catches of the week. Well, look at the range of outcomes when we're talking about NFFC here, like the minimum pick, 20 overall. We got the ADP at 34, and then the max, 50. Like, there is just a range where you are either all in on Beckham and taking that upside on the bounce back, and the fact that he could be a league winner for you. I mean, it's possible that he's your second wide receiver, depending on how you go about your draft, and if he falls to the late third. Yeah, like, just just based on these ADPs, the way that it could potentially shake down, like, you could have a team, let's see here. You You, could take a back in the first and go with, and have, like, you could realistically, well, hold on, you could realistically, let's just say, with just based on the numbers that are breaking down here, you could have McCaffrey, Cup, and Beckham. That could be your first three picks, potentially. It's probably not, but that's how it could shake down. This first and then the wraparound. Giddy up. I don't know if I like that. I mean, obviously, I like it. It has Christian yeah, McCaffrey as the best player. <laughs> but I wouldn't want cup. I wouldn't want a cup there. But to your point, is Beckham is your number two. But to your point, Chris, like uh, real quick, just for fun, do you guys remember how many touchdowns Baker threw last year? I like seven. Twenty-one. <laughs> 22 chris is always good at these games it, down from five from his rookie season i think that's the point is they weren't on the same page and i'm not saying yeah. this offseason and stefanski and you know i'm not saying they're going to get on the same page there's certainly where this can carry over and baker just doesn't mesh well with odell beckham for whatever reason play style i don't know whatever it, the, the point is is if they get on the same page you go back to beckham's rookie season and I only bring up his rookie season where he only played 14 games for one reason is these targets were almost the exact same, but the receptions were so much higher, which made the yards higher, which made the touchdowns higher because he was connecting with Eli Manning right out of the gate. If Baker improves over last year, even gets back to his rookie season, Odell Beckham could easily be back inside the top 10 flash or not. We'll say this. Sure. He could easily, he could easily be back inside the top 10, but he's being drafted as number 11. Like you're drafting him for where you want it. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're not like his position right now. You're buying has no, most of the risk. You are yeah, buying most yeah. of the risk. And the only reason I knew that about Baker is because I had some shares. I mean, he had <laughs> mi- minus two for me one day. You know, you know, who, you know who, uh, that is untrue. You know who you should have drafted? Uh, Josh Allen. Yeah, Josh Allen. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, I I got him in my auction for like three bucks, and then I dropped him from Jameis Winston after week two. It, it took I think seven games last year for Baker to have a game where he had two passing touchdowns. It was zero or one. I mean, he and and again, I put a lot of that on Freddie Kitchens. Well, that's going to do it for part one of the wide receiver player profiles. You follow Meany on Twitter at Chris Meany. You follow Jake on Twitter at Allen Kid and check him out at The Athletic. Me at the PME, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Also, hit the description if you want to find all the running back player profiles, and I will update everything for when the wide receiver profiles, two, three, and four, and five, however many we do, get released as well. Tune in, keep an eye out for the rest of them, because we're going to be kicking off with someone Jake thinks should be higher in terms of the ADP once we go through this. I'm Pat Mayo. Smash the like. I'll see you next time. Family experience.
Experience!